Harskin was, of course, from Indiana. Gil Hodges was from Indiana. Although being a Cardinal fan, I followed those two guys in baseball. So that was a unique experience. Um, how about, you know, because we're going to eventually talk today about the uh, Indiana Baseball Hall of Fame. Did you know Frank Baird? Uh, yes. Okay. And is Frank Baird one of the few people that are in all three of the Hall of Fames in Indiana? Or do, is that a trivia question that uh, I need to dig deeper on? Well, you might dig deeper, but <laughs> there's not too many that have achieved, you know, what what he did. Um, it was it was funny how you uh, how you know my wife gets aggravated at me. I'll go through the alphabet if I know the name starts with a if like a C. I'll go through and start naming things that start with C to help me remind me. And it was funny how you got to uh, uh, with jumping Johnny Wilson. You got Jack. So it's like, you know, jumping jacks. Okay, jumping Johnny Wilson. There we go. See, I'm not the only one that yeah. does it. Well, you, you you know, at 78 and a half, uh, your mind uh, plays tricks on you. And you have to develop little gimmicks to help you out. <laughs> <laughs> well, and only someone who, who does that. Uh, can recognize when someone's scrambling. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that you said that because uh, I, I did. The, I can't tell you now what it was, but I I used the the letters A J Foyt, and those were the three major battles that uh, were the turning point on uh, Napoleon's career. And I can't remember what the A J and the F were for, but I remembered them as A J Foyt. But evidently, it wasn't. It was good enough for back then, but it's not good enough for me to remember. Except that it, I, I used A J Foyt's initials to remember it for a history exam. I'll give you a first name for Mister Noel Lofton was his name. Noel. Uh, no, no, yes, because uh, I think he was a very, um, uh, a very uh, harsh, strong-willed father. Uh, you know, John was kind. Of, you coached John, so you know. And poor guy, I don't know if you were at that football game where he just let it roll out into the field uh, when he's, you know, thinking that the game had expired. Well, he he was playing for Pat Malone then. Okay. Uh, I I ended up, or Joyce and I ended up bringing Noel and his wife home from that game. He, he I forget who he rolled up with, but he was a very emotional man, <laughs> a, a nice guy, but a very emotional and and he was a raising hell about he's you know Pat Malone was highly organized and so forth and. Couldn't remember to teach his players not to do what John did, but you talk about a tough ride home. <laughs> he was. We had a, a Firebird. And there's not a whole lot of room in a Firebird. <laughs> and no, I put no in the front seat with me and drove and, and listened to him. But you know, I like no. He he, he was a good guy, but he. <laughs> He just fought things. Before practice, he'd move around, you know, it's a great day to be a tiger, for, you know, and going on. But, you know, he was a good guy, but he was better off not coaching football. <laughs> <laughs> is how that worked. 
<laughs> what was that? The, the, the time the time ran out, and I think uh, who were you got? Who was Princeton playing? By the way, were they playing um... Washington? Okay, Washington. Okay, and he just and looked, had... he tossed the ball to the official and no. fumble. No, they hiked it back, and John just kept going back where we were near Washington's goal line, and John just kept you know dodging and bouncing back and bouncing back and rolled into their end zone. The horn went off, and he dropped the ball. And the guy had sense enough to to down it in the end zone, and we went from winners to losers. <laughs> All in a heartbeat. So that if, was you a... know, if John just dropped down and dropped on one knee, it would have been all right. That you know, it it it's interesting that uh, you know um, some of these guys. Uh, you know, I had um, um, when I graduated from Indiana State University, I um, uh, started working at the Finish Line, which is an athletic shoe store, and I had um, Rob um, Kirchhoff uh, worked for me, John Lofton worked for me, Scotty Hicks, who went on to Notre Dame, worked for me a little while in between professional basketball gigs. John Sherman Williams out of Washington High School, but it's interesting to see. Now, you know, I was, shoot, I was only 21, 22 years old myself, but it's interesting to see the, uh, the maturity that some of those guys have done because, you know, I, I, when John was working for me at the finish line, I'd said, you know, he's not going to make it back his, past his uh, 23rd or 24th birthday or someone's going to, you know, really hurt the kid, but he has really matured and turned out uh, really well in the same way with Rob. Yeah, uh, John uh, ended up one of my first cousins in Indianapolis, work for John. He's in actuary science, I think. Right. Uh, and uh, several years ago, we, uh, the guy who coached Legion ball dropped it and went to travel ball for five years. And then myself and another guy, we ran a fundraiser. We made over $22,000 to get back to the Legion program. And John sent me a check for $500 and uh, corresponded with him. So you, you're right. He he turned out okay. Just a <laughs> tough, tough, tough situation. I remember after we played Gibson Southern, I brought John back to the gym. I was the assistant coach for Marty Echelbarger. I took him down to our gym, got a step ladder, took him up and had him sit on the rim. And I talked to him and I gave him two basketballs. He put side by side and they both fit right down through the rim as to, you know, how big that rim is, you know, to help him with his shooting and so forth. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a, it's a small world. <laughs> What is what is it like? What was it like? I think l last time we kind of ended um, uh, with you um, uh, helping out uh, Coach Eichelbarger um, at Princeton. I mean, you didn't want to have you. Did you really just you, your love of baseball? You just wanted to stick with baseball, but you said you'd help Marty along. Um, it it's it's a real political process in Southern Indiana hiring a basketball coach, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is. Can you kind of well, expound I, on that a little bit? I, I'm unsure uh, what you mean by uh, 
it is a process uh, of getting a, a basketball coach. You're right, but I really don't. You know, it wasn't that I didn't like basketball. Uh, I was assistant three years, one under Jim Jones, and the eighth grade basketball coach resigned. So I saw an opportunity to still help the program and yet get out of, you know, being an assistant, which would took a lot more time. So, uh, and uh, you know, I stayed with the eighth grade for seven or eight years. And I really enjoyed coaching them. And like I say, I had some, some nice, nice eighth grade ball clubs. But the process of hiring a coach, I mean, you just didn't grab anyone coming along. You, it's a big evaluation process. So, uh, you know, and, and we felt like it was prestige for someone to be the head basketball coach. So, uh, you know, I don't know that that explains all there is that goes to hiring, but that's what I know. Is it like the movie Hoosiers where, you know, okay, someone someone has got the job. You guys have gone through the process. They've got the job. You're helping them out. And they're, you know, they're graded or, man, I, I guess, you know, they're graded on a game-by-game basis. You And I guess you've got to kind of uh, be able to either A, uh, work through that, or B, turn off everybody's opinion and, you know, work through a season. Well, you know, our fans, we were expecting to have uh, a good varsity ball club because of what the JV kids had did the year before. They had won 20 games and lost two and that was without my best sophomore, a, a Dyson kid who played up with a varsity. So it wasn't like we were running dry. And then Marty came in and, and uh, we, as the season went on, we had to drop a, a couple of kids. And uh, Marty, you know, told me, he said, I'm pretty active down on the sideline and so forth. <laughs> Well, the thing that hurt us was that's when the bench decor rule came in, and it really hurt Marty. Uh, so, uh, and he said, you know, I said, I'll, I'll go up in the crowd. And uh, I uh, told him, I said, well, you better have a lead and so forth, or they'll throw your body out on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, are are we being recorded now? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So you go ahead and start watching what you say. What you say? <laughs> well, I, I didn't know, but uh, you know, Marty was was active and he loved the game, and he just, you know, he he fought the game and. Uh, He, it was a, a tough situation for him at Princeton a few of the years. But, you know, that's the way it is with any basketball coach. Uh, if you didn't fight it, uh, you know, you weren't worth your salt. So, 
I love, I, I'm just going to call, I'm, the, the, the very active Coach Marty, Marty, Arkel, Marty Eichelbarger, very the active. When when I was at Broderpool, you know, I like like I said, I wasn't very good at any sport, so I got to take everything in, you know. And uh, I just remember looking down, and man, he would stamp on that floor like he was trying to kill something that he could not kill with the first couple stamps. And you tell me about man, and yeah. then and then the face, I'm like, man, I'm, to, man, I, 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 that's red. Yes, I thought he was going to have a heart attack any time. <laughs> But uh, what what you saw is what you got. Marty was honest as the day was long, and he held our kids accountable as far as going to class, behaving outside of the classroom. You know, uh, he he held them accountable. So it's just. Uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for Marty. Do in both at Lagodi and Princeton or wherever you've been, where do do they? How many times was Marty tossing? You had to take over the game, like Shooter Flatch and Hoosiers, or uh, Jack Butcher at Lagodi. Well, <clears throat> Jack was a little deceptive. Whenever he was animated and. And, you know, walking the sidelines like he was out of control and the crowd was booing him and so forth and so on. And time out, he was hitting on all cylinders. He was calm and quiet and dictating strategy. So, uh, you know, once in a while, you know, you would talk or, or take over. But Jack, Jack never really... Totally lost it on the sideline. Uh, Marty, you know, got pretty excited. Uh, Jim Jones got pretty excited at, at times. But uh, the uh, part of it was part show, I think. Well, I, I know. <laughs> but, you know, anyway... Uh, Jack, uh, Jack was hitting on all cylinders many a time. So, were there times when you would sit on the varsity bench and watch, you know, just watch the season unfold of basketball and uh, think, "Oh man, thank God uh, I'm just in charge of baseball," or "Thank God I'm in charge of baseball." No, not really. <laughs> I, you know, I, I liked basketball but i loved baseball and uh, i i don't ever recall sitting there you know when our season starts and so forth you know i i was loyal to the guy that was a head coach and uh, and so you know no there there wasn't times where i was Happy that I was a baseball coach. <laughs> what was what was a uh, uh, pet peeve of Coach Nantes, be it uh, in baseball or basketball? Uh, uh, kids showing up late, kids not trying. What would what would uh, what were some of your pet peeves that you had for some of your uh, uh, players, and and how did you nip that in the bud, or how did you uh, 
um, you know, how did you correct some of those to where that, you know, never really happened a lot? Well, <clears throat> you know, being on time, that, that was a given, uh, showing up naked, <laughs> that is without, you know, long underwear, sweatpants, sweatshirt, sock hat, gloves, uh, you know, I talked to him about it the first of the season, and there really wasn't a problem that anyone would show up that way. They knew better and at Lagoni and at Princeton. Uh, I don't know if you can say this word or not, mule turd theater. <laughs> Get aggravated at that. <laughs> A little bit of history to that. Uh, my brother and I, when we go out on my grandpa's farm, this was when we were in grade school, grandpa had a couple mules in the barn lot. And for lack of better things to do, we'd get out there and throw those mule turds at each other. We'd be ducking and, do you know, dodging them and so forth. And uh, every once in a while you'd get a freshman and, and if you got hit in the back with that, that wasn't too cool. But I coined the phrase, you know, we'll say that we're batting, we hit a ground ball to short, and he overthrows first base. And you round the base and heading for second. Meanwhile, the first baseman's chasing the ball, and he throws it wild at second. So you slide, and then you take off for third. Outfielder comes charging in and throws it over third. Well, each incident like that is mule turd theater, throwing it just at random. We'd have scene one, scene two, and then we loved it whenever the other team was having a display of that. So that aggravated me a little bit, other than when the other, the other team was doing it. So I don't know. I... We had a routine, and we, as I say, expected the kids to be on time. That meant 10 or 15 early. We started stretching at 3 o'clock or 3.15. That means that you're there. You got all the bases out. You know, you're ready to start stretching. It wasn't a guy walking into the park at 3.15. And, you know, it, that's just the way it was. So, but I had enough other things that would aggravate me. I could always find something <laughs> if I needed to. Well, how was, you know, when you knew the whole team was like having a particular rough patch or you knew that it was really just one particular player or two particular players that were um, aiding the problem, um, how, how did you kind of handle that? Did you, always, did you always try to do it in a group did you try to coach more in a group, you know, uh, teaching experience rather than singling somebody out, either but either in basketball okay. or in baseball? I usually tried to use talk to them as a group and use analogies and so forth. Uh, one, you know, a kid or two I had to, to single out. Uh, you know, to push them 
bust them out of a zone or whatever they were in. I always remember one, but I can't tell you about it. <laughs> so had him dig a hole. Very, very all of his aggravation out beyond center field fence, then get out in the hole. I think he was scared I was going to have him fill it up then. But it got him out of a doldrum that he was in. He became a very good player for me the following year, and I invited him to Legion Ball, and he even invited me to his wedding. So that was a win-win situation for us. You know, some situations didn't go over as well, but anyway, it's just... It's just a routine. I mean, when you've been a coach a long time, I coached baseball 30 years, and I coached basketball 30 years. And, uh, you know, you got you got a routine. You've got this is the way things are going to be, and when they're not, you can politely eliminate somebody. Our word will be out, and very few of the marginal kids will come out. It's... You know, never really had a problem with discipline. Um, what was um, what was Coach Nante like with officials and umpires? Did were there some things that would aggravate you? Would you let things just roll off your back? Uh, were were you more particular about baseball, or what was what was he like with officiating? Well, I got a, a few technical fouls. <laughs> One I got from the Evansville rights coach. He was a neat little guy chugging up and down the floor, and he finally stopped and said, that's enough, Turn, called a T on me. <laughs> and uh, later became good friends with him. Uh, you know, I felt like we ought to get the same break that – everyone else got uh, at a tee at uh, Evansville Wrights. When I was coaching at Lagoni, I we played a holiday tournament down there. Played against uh, Wilmer Whitmer, uh, an outstanding basketball player for Lagoni. And uh, I Finally, I hollered the referees make sure they get in the team picture after the game because they had enough to do with this as the players. And one of them didn't appreciate that, so he called, called a tee, which I don't blame him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with umpires, uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, I remember one or two we had a collision at. Evansville Central at home plate where, and you know, then the runner had to slide and so forth. And, but uh, I only got maybe a couple or got booted out of maybe one Legion game and, and really one high school game was all that I pretty well, I think, left them alone. And, you know, as the longer you coach, you develop a, a maturity or you, you pick your battles. And the guys, you know, they're 
they're doing as good a job as as what they can do. So most of those, I mean, the technicals must be free. I I uh, it happened, you know, early early in a career. So. Of course, besides your home fields of where you coached, um, and I think this is, I guess this can be both about basketball and baseball. What, um, what were some of your play, favorite places to go besides your home court or home field? And what are some of the places where you're like, you know, I'm really not excited about going there or, or they really don't take pride in what they got going on here or, you know, or, you know, I really enjoy coming here and I wish we could win more here. Does that, is that a, uh, I know it's a fully loaded question. Yeah. Well, you know, going to, to Jasper to play was always a big deal. And we played at Jasper uh, each year until we got our new ballpark at Lagodi in 76 or 77. Uh, Washington, you know, had a, uh, an old ballpark that had been down there for several years until they finally built a, a new ballpark there away from the, the high school. Uh, it, you know, I didn't really mind going playing someone uh, if I thought we could beat them. We've played in the early years uh, – at a golf course that was somewhat level and not sloping too bad. <laughs> Played Needmore at, uh, this was when I was assistant. And I had to go along as the varsity coach. Jack had a meeting or something. But you started out in baseball just playing anywhere and everywhere. And then we got started the... Uh, state championship in 67 and ballparks began to improve and uh, the game began to improve and so there weren't too many places where you basically had to go to a you know a bare field have 50,000 rules so like I say one or two of us improving their field cause so-and-so to improve their field and they all gradually ended up having pretty nice baseball fields anymore what was a bus ride like to the games with coach nante um and then what was so this is a three question so and then what was the bus ride back whether you won or whether you lost was there you know just you know was was there concentration on the way and did you just let the kids be the kids on the way back or you know um uh you know did you were there times where you kind of like wanted to be like bob knight and not even let anybody on the bus and like walk back to, to to school or to wherever well not really maybe one or two times that that way, you know, we rode the kids sit and talk and wear sunglasses. 
they uh, didn't run up and down the aisles. Uh, and coming back, uh, well, we had routines that with a bucket and a concrete where they had to roll wrist rolls. They had to roll them up and roll them down. You know, each of the guys had to go through that, you know, win or lose. And uh, it was, you know, normal talking. So uh, it really wasn't that much difference, win or lose. You know, I would talk to them at times uh, coming back if we, you know, had played lousy or so forth, but it it wasn't, you know, a raisin cane this time and happy the next time. It was it was pretty even keel. Uh, of course, then they got regulations on the bus when you couldn't roll up. Players had to be seated. Coach had to be seated. So, you know, that cut down on some of it. But I, I think I was pretty even keel. Uh, but whenever felt like I needed to rip them a little bit, you know, I, I would. But uh, majority of the time, it was pretty even keel. How hard was it being a coach and having to cut somebody that you knew had passion for the game and just didn't have the, um, you know, the mechanics or, or wasn't a very, you know, you understand what I'm saying here, how, how hard it was to cut a player or to, to, you know, that you knew had, you know, all the energy that you needed as a good baseball or a basketball player, but, you know, you just needed, uh, uh this other, um, uh, member that was going to make your team what you thought your team needed. Well, we never tried to cut freshmen or sophomores if we had room on on the JV team. The only freshmen that we would cut would be kids where it was a danger for them to be playing catch or making a hit with a ball in the batting cage in batting, or if they were interested in just dorking around, goofing off, we would talk to them. And then if, you know, they didn't pay attention, then we would cut them. Uh, I tried to be in on ever cutting up players. And we'd tell them, you know, you'd be eligible to come out next year. But uh, by junior or senior year, you know, they had pretty well eliminated themselves. And so you didn't have to cut. Uh, some, if there was room on the varsity, uh, I've had, you know, several players, they would chase foul balls part of the game or they would warm up the catcher or whatever. And, and you know, there's, there's room for kids like that on a team. So, 
and after you're at a, a place, a time, you know, they know your personality and they know you're not going to put up with any crap. And so, you know, you just, you just start to program and kids will pretty well take care of themselves. Dorking around. You're welcome to Dorking Around on Mule Turd Theater. I am your host, Billy Powell. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry about that. No, 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 no. What's it like, you know, you had your memories growing up and what your dad taught you. What's it like coaching your own kids? What's What's... Did you take something different into it on how you were maybe taught or coached from your mom and dad? I mean, what, well, what what's that like, or do you do you have to uh, approach it differently, or uh, what's that like? Well, first of all, my parents didn't question a coach. I remember how happy I was when I was ten or eleven that. Dad that I could throw the baseball, you know, and that I could catch my dad's hardest pitch. Dad didn't have a whole lot of time to play baseball with us, but he'd play catch with us once in a while. And I remember how proud I was I'd catch his best pitch. But as far as going and coaching, wasn't there. Coaching your son is a little bit different. But uh, Terry's personality and so forth was good. And uh, Terry was a good average baseball player and uh, might have been a little stronger had it not hurt his knee and would have been able to catch. Uh, probably only one or two times I, I kept he and another guy after practice and that's his junior year. Kind of wound the pitching machine up, threw pop flies, hit ground balls to this other kid. And I look back on that, that wasn't probably the smartest thing to do. <laughs> so, uh, but it, it's a little bit different, but Terry made it easy, you know, made it easy to catch. He started part-time his junior year and, and, started uh you know majority of time his senior year so he it was a good relationship i felt man if i'm not mistaken and i know this is 31 years or 32 years of memory old old memory but terry had huge hands didn't he yes he did i remember uh, that because i remember he could palm to, the basketball try to Encourage him to come out for wrestling, but yes, he had he had nice, nice big hands. So, <laughs> isn't it weird? Isn't it weird the things you remember? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and for those listening who don't know from the first show, Terry, uh, um, uh, Coach Nante's son, Terry, uh, um, uh, we were um, uh, friends and uh, roommates in college at Indiana State University with a, a another. Uh, um, the person I should have got, well, I actually went to his house and that was, uh, Brad Bottoms and, um, um, who went to, uh, Wood Memorial 
down there in the huge city of uh, I can't remember what the Mackey, the huge city of Mackey, Indiana. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Brad, Brad was a good a good friend of his, and you know, talking about coaches and so forth, I wanted to mention Kevin Biggs, who was an assistant took took my place. Kevin, you know, became a a student of the game and, and, and really did a great job the years he was at Lagoda and Steve Fisher, our freshman coach in 75. And uh, Steve uh, resigned basketball in, in 78, got into officiating and later left Lagoda and uh, got into administration, being school superintendent of a couple schools. So I wanted to uh, to mention them. Carrie Prather, student manager in 73. Uh, Carrie is our only college basketball coach. He was a head coach at Franklin College for several years. And uh, is now the president of Franklin College. And then, of course, John Olson, student manager that didn't come out his first year week consolidated and then came out his senior year and, and did a remarkable job. John was a school psychologist. So I wanted to mention those guys. John's about the only one that I've ever had on the show. I just had to roll out a question and then I had to um, shut him up at the end of an hour and do three uh, straight shows. <laughs> I, I know. Uh, we have an outstanding girl play for Princeton named Jackie Young who uh, broke the leading scorers record to put boys and girls together. She now plays for Las Vegas. And I coached Jackie's mother my first or second year at Princeton. I had to help with the girls. Basketball coach resigned and so I helped with the girls. Her mother played center for me. But uh, Jackie is just an outstanding person from Princeton. So wanted to mention them. Uh, and, and Jackie went on to play at uh, Notre Dame, am I correct, or am I thinking of someone else? Yes. Okay. Yes, she did. That was Jackie. She quiet, let Ungumbawe shoot the ball, and the other two or three shoot it. But when it come down to the uh, Crunch times, oftentimes, other than Umgumbawe, hit that two <laughs> two long shots to win it. Uh, but Jackie passed her the basketball. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she's a, a, a just a really nice person. What was that like, by the way? These I have some silly questions. Like uh, I asked Tommy John why. Um, why he wore his hat so weird. I mean, did he had a funny shaped head? He never, he never wore it straight on and never was curved. So I know that was a weird question to ask him, but I wanted to know it. So this is a question I want to know. So that's why I'm going to ask it. And that is, you know, a, a lot of times in the two conversations that we've had, you said, you know, I, I helped out with that when this person resigned or that person quit. Uh, is that something like they're, they like, come to you because they knew that you would do it like Mikey in the life commercial or is that something where you're like well you know you know 
is that something that you would put under your sleeve to pull that card out later if you needed something? I mean, how did that work? Well, uh, Tommy John did wear his hat crooked. I you see? Refereed, uh, I refereed uh, basketball games with him and Tara Holt my freshman or sophomore year. Or might have been my junior senior. See, I'm but not crazy. And then we... I met him again whenever we were inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Now, what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, they needed you to do this. They needed you to step in for that. Did you kind of like, you know, like, well, yeah, I'll do it. But did you, you know, uh, did you do it for the love of the game and the love of coaching? Or did you always try to, you know, better your baseball teams or better your uh, equipment for baseball when you would do something like that? No. No. Not, not really. Um, people re- resigning, and it just, you know, that was just part of part of the deal, and so forth. I, Jim Jones talked me into getting back in boys baseball. Jed Beatles took the South Spencer head basketball job, and, and I thought long and hard about that, you know. And then when he said he wasn't going to go anywhere, well, okay, I'll try it. But then, <laughs> wrong. <laughs> he went to Terrell North. So, no, I mean, I just say I liked bas- basketball, but I loved baseball. And there's not a whole lot of difference between a love and a like. <laughs> but, uh, no, I didn't have any ulterior motives. What this is going to be probably a little bit searching here. And what were some of your favorite teams that you wish wished that if that we got this break here, that break there, that you could have gone farther? And what were a couple of your overachieving teams that you remember in your career? Well, our '73 team, Lagodi, when we won the regional, and then won the afternoon game of the summer state. And we were playing Jeffersonville in the championship game and ended up getting beat three to one. Uh, We scored what I thought was a tying run in the seventh inning. Uh, They had a umpire at home plate, umpire at first, one at second, one at third. And they hit a ground ball between first and second, and it ricocheted and bounced. And anyway, we end up, umpire called the runner safe at home, which was a tying run, and then stepped out, didn't ask the first base umpire or the second base umpire, drummed our runner out who was on first. And so that ball took a funny bounce, but Jasper edged their grass. And I felt like it hit the edge of that grass and bounced, but he didn't. He also called a state tournament. This was his last hoorah 
from 35 years of coaching or whatever. Uh, that game I would have liked to, to have back. But then we won the regional again and got beat in the summer state. So, but, you know, a coach, he can go on and on and on about games and just, you know, it's best not to get me started. <laughs> you always think of this or think of that. What if? What if? And that's what makes it a great game, you know, just. Did... But after 30 years, most of the games all run together, especially when you get the age I am now. Did you enjoy going to the? Did you go to the um, baseball finals uh, even uh, after you had um, quit coaching? Did you enjoy going to uh, Bush Stadium and the other yeah. places that they've had it? Yes, uh, you know, for for years, I I would follow the state tournament, you know, and the same way with with our our meetings and, and so forth. I didn't go to all of them, but you know, it's always nice and. I have a boards at Gil Hodges Field starting with 1967, four by eight sheets, where I put the score and who won the sectional that year, who won the regional, who won the semi-state, who won the state, the, the two teams. And so, yeah, I, I followed it, yes. I know my my grandfather when he would take me to Indianapolis Indians games beginning in 1974. We sat in box 23 and uh, we did that all the way up until uh, man 89 or 90 or 91. And uh, I just loved I just loved that ballpark. Oh yes, it's there's not a bad seat in it, and it's just a wonderful wonderful ballpark. Yeah, I would agree. What did it mean to be um, told that you, you were going to be in the baseball hall, the Indiana Baseball Hall of Fame? And um, do you work with the Baseball Hall of Fame? And how does that work compared to the Basketball Hall of Fame? Well, yes, it was kind of emotional whenever I found out or got the letter that I had been inducted. But, uh, and it's a nice ceremony. Uh, it's in conjunction with the clinic that they put on each year in January. And uh, the uh, banquet is that uh, Friday evening. And uh, have a meal, a lot of people participating and speakers for the individuals and so forth. Uh, it, it is baseball puts on a, a nice affair for our clinic and for uh, those being inducted. I know that basketball puts on a, a super meal a program. I've been to that uh, two or three times and that that is, you know, first class also. I've been to the Hall of Fame building at Newcastle and you know Jasper has their Hall of Fame in the, a building in conjunction with uh, Vincennes University on campus so 
both are just super affairs. So tell me a little bit. I know everybody's been listening for the past two shows. Um, and you may not even want to talk about it, but, but, uh, you've, uh, uh, here, uh, lately you've had, you, you've had a stroke, you've had a heart attack, but it sounds like everything's going good. And, you know, tell us a little bit about that whole situation. I know we may have to do another show just on that, but maybe you can condense it for well, us. Well, I had a stroke six years ago and, uh, thanks to Joy, she got me to, hospital and so forth and then in december i had a heart attack and she again carted me <laughs> to the uh, hospital here in princeton and got me to surgery that night about 2 30 and put in a stent and i'm uh, so far plugging along i my voice and speech is not as emphatic as what it used to be uh, i didn't have any uh, problems from the stroke you know other than and but this goes with age remembering the last name of people and and so forth so like the doctor told me i'm pretty good shape for someone my age <laughs> So, uh, you know, that's that's it a little bit. Everybody has problems, and I'm lucky that I uh, had a wife that recognized what was going on and took action. So that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> and how did you, you know, everybody has their story, but how, you know, what was, the, you know, quarantine and being in lockdown and, and uh, I guess just recently uh, you got to see some family members uh, uh, based upon, you know, shots and uh, the um, pandemic kind of slowing down a little bit. What was that like during the pandemic? And um... well, I think this year was the first year since I've been in third or fourth grade that I haven't been to at least one high school basketball game. Uh, that was tough. Princeton had a, a little more than a, a decent team fighting odds of uh, of either playing or not. Uh, Lamar Brown uh, did an outstanding job, and I would have liked to have watched Princeton play, but, you know, here you are, an old guy, and they're encouraging not to attend and so forth. But, you know, Princeton finished 12-5, and five and lost in a double overtime to Sullivan. And then at Lagodi, uh, Ryan Haywood, who was our Princeton basketball coach, uh, Ryan finished 20-4. and four. They lost in a sectional to Bar Reeve. And, uh, you know, I didn't get to see any of their games now. I watched a few on YouTube, and but listened to all that I could. So, uh, I I miss the, the basketball games, so it's. Uh, I hope that the pandemic is getting to a point where we're getting out and doing things. 
getting people back to work and so forth. Coach Nante, can they still get the uh, the history of Lagodi High School boys basketball and um, the uh, history of the uh, Princeton Princeton Community High School boys basketball? Can they still get those books? No, I Princeton, I don't have any. Lagodi, I may have two or three of them. Um, I it just uh, with Patoka, I have two or three of Patoka books, but all the Mount Olympus and the Princeton Lincoln, Hazelton, you know, I've sold those. And that, you know, that was a unique experience, uh, selling books, trying to, to uh, get to your initial bill, what you had to pay for them, and then when you were showing a profit. <laughs> but... Uh, they, they really weren't a problem in selling them. Now you laugh like you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, well, that's your next book, is it? How to Become a Millionaire by Writing Books, right? Uh, yes, Millionaire. <laughs> no, you know, you're, you're satisfied with the accomplishment. You would like to make a little bit of money, and a little bit of money may be $50. <laughs> but... Uh, it's you're always chasing the rainbow, but you know that's that's okay. I'm, I can handle to lose a little bit of money. I know you've been so um, uh, you know awesome with uh, giving us your time with uh, taking a couple hours to share your stories, but um, I'm, I'm, and I didn't even know that I was going to roll this. Sometimes I'll just jot stuff down as I'm, I'm talking to you guys. Um, when when Joe Toe drank. Any 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 stories about Joe or any uh, any uh, anything you think of when I roll that name out? Well, I can't tell. <laughs> Joe is is another one that I had listed. Uh, he was you know at Bar Reef whenever basically we were battling the hatchets through the years. We were also battling Bar Reef, and Joe is one of those unique individuals that uh, probably has never met a stranger. In a basketball game, I'm here to tell you he's competitive. <laughs> he, he can change that uh, gladheadedness to competitiveness in a heartbeat. I, I think a lot of Joe, and. Uh, but stories, uh, I'll pass on that. <laughs> I know, I know. Kate, uh, Coach Dave Warland wasn't down there in that area very long. But uh, um, uh, did he coach baseball for uh, Washington Catholic also, or was it just basketball? I I'm unsure if he okay. also coached baseball. And Warland, he he was a tough cookie to beat. Also, he he changed the complexion of Washington Catholic basketball and got. Catholic kids to stay in school and to go to Washington Catholic. And uh, they were pretty dadgone competitive for about 10 years or so through there. Uh, you didn't ask about the nostalgia sectional we put on at Princeton. I don't know if you even know anything about 
No, please. Nostalgia's. But uh, when I first came to Princeton, we remodeled the, the old ballpark. Finally, after four or five years, got it up to snuff and looking like it used to. But uh, we organized nostalgia sectional in 1988 and made enough off it to pay off $16,000 on our lights. And then the second year we had it, we bought a $14,000 electric scoreboard to put in the outfield and replace the old wooden one that we had. And then the third year that we had it, we divided the money among the schools. But there was 11 basketball teams that in all communities, it's easy to find a guy who still likes basketball or may still play a little bit, and you just organize them. And we met with the various leaders of the communities and put on this nostalgia basketball game and really had a good time, packed the gym uh, for the, the at least the first two years. And I told my brother about it, who was the principal of Washington High School. And their athletic director, Tony, came down and met with us. And they had it for two, two or three years and uh, made some good money off of it also. I uh, mailed how we organized it to Muncie Central was one place, and they had good results from it and so forth. So I wanted to to get that in. And my brothers, I guess I didn't mention them. Tony ended up being superintendent and retired as a superintendent from Shoals School. Uh, Tom retired from being superintendent of the Vincennes schools. Bob did teach, but uh, went into to business, and he's got a cushy job. He, he sells cars in Tennessee once in a while. And Bernie, who played on our 70 team, is a retired chiropractor practor from Jasper, Indiana, and then my youngest brother, who is 20 years younger than I am, uh, is still a chiropractor in uh, Ferdinand. So that's the extent. My oldest sister passed away several years ago. She was the best-looking girl in the family. <laughs> so six, six boys and one sister, right? Six brothers and one sister, yes. right? Yeah. And then my uh, girls, Jill, lives in Tennessee with Joe Burge, a former Jasper player. And Audrey lives in Fishers, Indiana. Kevin. And, of course, Terry lives in Newburgh. So. 
So, Coach Nante, what? Uh, uh, how close do 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 players still text you, call you? Uh, uh, what does uh, Coach Nante uh, do in retirement now? Um, um, I mean, there's there's just I can just see you. There's just no way that you you're sitting there relaxing. There's always something to do with uh, uh, kind of that nostalgic side or or uh, documenting something or uh, you know. Well, like I say, I I'm still busy with Princeton. And somewhat with Lagoti, I put up the basketball pictures for several years, but Lagoti uh, remodeled the inside of the gym and slowly reducing pictures and taking some pictures down. Um, I emailed Coach Haywood that he needed to get a basketball picture, you know, eventually up whenever they start putting up the individual basketball pictures and then as i say at princeton i have over i would say 700 pictures because i put up the football picture each year and two basketballs the boys and the girls and then we're working on kids who qualify for a wall of fame that have made all conference at least uh two times and, and so forth so we're in the process now of getting pictures up in the gym. So I really don't have any downtime. I got an email from a Lagoti player uh, that uh, I hadn't heard from in a, in a long time. And then when they, you know, they see that you're being interviewed, then they, uh, a lot of them make contact with me and so forth. And then I, I see Lagoti players whenever I, go back up for a basketball game. It's just a good situation. You know, uh, you guys down there in Southern Indiana have, you know, I feel like, um, I feel like I could show up and to a family event after this is all done and people will go, yeah, well, Billy's a cousin, so he's related. You can let him in. I feel like you guys have, uh, kind of, uh, I've kind of squeezed my way into a family and, uh, you know, that, uh, Princeton, Lagodi, that Southern Indiana, and uh, you know it's 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 fun to learn, it's fun to share, and I'm glad that you took uh, uh, some time to uh, um, uh, get some of this down in audio, and uh, I, I I appreciate you and uh, appreciate uh, you doing the programs. Well, uh, it's quite all right, as I say, kind of pulled out some stuff and tried to list some names and. And I'm pretty proud of myself that I didn't have to say, well, you know, what's his name? What's his <laughs> name? What's his name? <laughs> so anyway, it's, uh, I've enjoyed it. And like I told you, you've done a, a wonderful job of keeping track of all this stuff. And you could probably go to, or you're right, any family in Southern Indiana and mention your name and, yeah, and then they trace somebody down that that knew you. So <laughs> you're part of the family, also. Coach Nante, thank you so much. I appreciate it, and uh, uh, I know everybody's going to be looking forward to to part two. Well, thanks, Billy. <laughs>